The heretic is as important as any particular orthodoxy, and they are as worthy of attention as any orthodoxy. You've just found yourself behind the broken window, lurking in a corner of the sound studio at Broken Window Media, where a recording is about to begin. The Heretical Superman Turkey Everyone knows that a Thanksgiving dinner is incomplete without some turkey. Nowhere else is a particular item of food so deeply intertwined with a holiday. Despite the inseparability of turkey and Thanksgiving, there are always a few strange individuals who suggest a different main entree for the holiday. It's fine fodder for sitcoms and Twitter mockery, and these folks always end up derided as the heretics that they are. It might seem comical, though, to use the word heretic to describe these people, but it's not inaccurate. A heretic is someone who violates orthodoxy. And although we tend to think of those terms in primarily religious contexts, they are by no means exclusive to that domain. Orthodoxy is the accepted norms and ideas regarding the subject. Everything has an orthodoxy. There's orthodoxy in hard and social sciences, in business strategy and accounting practices. There's even orthodoxy surrounding things like how to play chess or make a pie. So prevalent is orthodoxy that within fields there are separate orthodoxies that arise. This is especially common in academia. For instance, in economics, there's orthodox Keynesianism, classical economics, Marxist economics, Austrian economics, and on and on. As groups develop differing ideas on a subject, differing orthodoxies emerge. We all have orthodoxies that are important to us, even when we don't realize we do. Maybe we adhere to some orthodoxy regarding how holidays should be celebrated, like Turkey on Thanksgiving. Or we have an orthodoxy about how a sport should be played, something like the unwritten rules of baseball. We even develop orthodox versions of characters in media. We all hold on to a variety of orthodoxies with differing degrees of seriousness. I personally believe in several orthodoxies, some vitally important and others seem utterly foolish. I believe in certain orthodoxies surrounding religion, politics, and parenting, but I also hold deeply to orthodoxies covering how film adaptation of literature should be done, the order in which food should be consumed at a meal, and Batman and Superman's proper characterization. And in all of these things, big and small, I'm regularly confronted by heretics. Anyone with ideas outside of a particular orthodoxy is a heretic. In fact, the follower of one orthodoxy is the heretic of another. For instance, the orthodox Keynesian economist is considered an economic heretic by the Austrian economist, much like how the Muslim believes the Christian to be a heretic and vice versa. So wherever we adhere to an orthodoxy, whether it be thoughts on fitness and nutrition or our stance on what makes for good children's literature, some heretics stand in opposition to us. Often we dismiss what they have to say. Frankly, it makes sense to dismiss heretics. They start from the wrong foundations and principles. They don't see the world correctly. Why should we waste any time hearing what they have to say when we already know the wrong? For instance, why should I bother with considering Zack Snyder's heretical portrayal of Superman in the film Man of Steel? Superman doesn't kill people like he did Zod in that story. 
Clearly, Snyder doesn't understand the character well enough for me to bother considering anything he has to say about Superman. But I should listen to him. We should all listen to heretics. The heretic is as important as any particular orthodoxy, and they are as worthy of attention as any orthodoxy. In fact, without the heretic, there is no orthodoxy. There's just reality. It's not orthodoxy to say that chicken eggs can produce only chickens and not alligators. For something to be orthodox, there must be the possibility of disagreement. And any orthodoxy worth its salt should be able to confront that disagreement. It should be able to stand up to the heretic, not dismiss him. Heretics act as a kind of stress test for orthodoxy. They put a challenge to the orthodoxy and expose its strengths and weaknesses. We understand the importance of a stress test for mechanical things like the safety technology in our cars or a roller coaster. But a stress test is every bit as vital to our orthodoxies as well. We rely on orthodoxies to help guide our beliefs, ideas, and conduct. With so much riding on them, how could we not desire that they be tested? The heretic stress test is beneficial to our orthodoxy. It can expose two different kind of flaws, both of which anyone relying on orthodoxies, as we all do, should want to address. The first flaw a heretic might expose is an error in presentation. The heresy itself might, in fact, be little more than a misunderstanding. It might be that the heresy is born from an incorrect perspective of orthodoxy. This can seem harmless, but it's still worth addressing. It means that the orthodoxy has been poorly communicated, or at least not expressed in enough ways that it is universally understood. A believer in any particular orthodoxy would want to know that. Did Snyder do such a terrible job portraying Superman simply because the character hasn't been sufficiently explained? Presumably. We adhere to a particular orthodoxy because doing so creates a better outcome for ourselves or the world more broadly. We would prefer to maximize the effect by having others adhere to the orthodoxy as well. The more people correctly understand how Superman should be portrayed, the more we can enjoy stories with an accurate Superman. So finding out that we've poorly communicated the orthodoxy and adjusting could lead to broader adoption. For instance, consider a religious missionary to a previously disconnected tribe. One of the first things that missionary does is try to learn the language of the tribe. That's because to properly share his orthodoxy, he must communicate adequately. And if he recognizes the tribe practicing some heresy, despite a claim to have accepted his orthodoxy, the missionary may discover a miscommunication from a lack of correctly understanding the language. It's this kind of opportunity for clarity that the heretic presents. The second thing a heretic may do is expose a flaw in the orthodoxy. It may be that the orthodoxy is being misapplied or misunderstood. Heresy could demonstrate where this is occurring. While being sufficient for many concerns, we might discover that the orthodoxy is inadequate in addressing the heretic's specific concerns. The heresy may be born out of a response to the orthodoxy's incompleteness. One shouldn't take this to mean that the orthodoxy should be abandoned in favor of the heretic's new orthodoxy. It may be that an adjustment to the present orthodoxy is all that is needed. Often, that response is probably best, because the heretic has likely developed ideas that swing the pendulum too far in the other direction. They've probably developed their own orthodoxy that gives their particular concern too much influence on the orthodoxy as a whole. This is likely the case with Snyder's Superman. 
In his film, Snyder does expose a concern that the prior orthodoxy regarding Superman failed to address. Superman is the equivalent of a human nuclear bomb. And even if he's meant to symbolize hope, same as the emblem on his chest, there's still something scary about that kind of power. Nuclear power plants offer humanity an incredible amount of potential with their ability to produce cheap energy. Still, because of fears regarding that kind of power, we see resistance to expanded use of the technology. And that's the kind of relationship humanity would have with Superman. Snyder was correct in realizing that the orthodox version of Superman and his stories failed to properly address this concern. There have been attempts, but they've been flawed. Superman has become dangerous, but only when mind-controlled by a villain. These stories have generally focused on the dilemma created for other superheroes, with Superman being little more than a plot device. Or the other way the concern about Superman's power has been portrayed is through Lex Luthor. And embodying that perspective in a villain takes too strong a stance on a nuanced issue. So while he's still a Superman heretic, I must admit that the source of Snyder's heresy is a legitimate one. But he goes too far in having Superman kill Zod. The issue with present Superman orthodoxy has to do with the character's perception, not the character itself. And Snyder can come up with no more compelling way to address this than altering Superman's character. He breaks the character in a way that would make it impossible to merge with the traditional orthodoxy. But Snyder has presented a concern that needs to be addressed, and creators overseeing Superman's characters and stories would do well to consider better ways to address that concern without breaking the character of Superman. Snyder's heresy is worth considering and shouldn't be dismissed out of hand merely because it's heresy. And that's true of all heresies. Sure, it's easier to do with something as inconsequential as what constitutes a proper Superman, but hopefully the process I went through in this case can be useful in understanding how heresy could be considered in more critical realms. And we certainly want to address heresy in those areas as well. If we don't, we find ourselves confronting much worse disasters than an awful Superman movie or a Thanksgiving salmon. You've just gone behind the broken window. Drop us a line at contact at brokenwindowmedia.com. Like us on Facebook for regular updates, and follow us on Twitter at BrokenWindowM. Music by Lorenzo's Music. Thanks, Lorenzo's Music. Check them out at lorenzosmusic.com. Hear the rest of the conversation and become a part of it at brokenwindowmedia.com. We'll see you there. Thank you.